From Phil's VTech comes a weekly digital series where he shares his insights, concepts, and findings learned during his 15-year journey of working in the entertainment industry. Each lesson offers you a roadmap to overcome the challenges that all artists face on the path to success. Welcome to Phil's VTech Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and it is my pleasure and uh, privilege, if you will, to to deliver lessons of all kinds to creatives to help them succeed in their own projects. And part of how I do that and what is a true joy for me is when I get to bring on uh, creatives that I know personally and that I've worked with personally. And so today is kind of a, a very special occasion on a number of fronts uh, because I'm joined by... Um, Edgar Cortez Angarita, who is the sound mixer, sound designer of my feature film, Idol. And uh, it, it feels like a huge milestone because we just pretty much finalized the sound. Um, and so that's a, that's a big victory for all of us, especially uh, in, a, in a time right now in the pandemic where, where it feels like there's not a lot of victories to be had. <laughs> so, um, and before we kind of get into it, I want to give a little bit of context and perhaps hopefully embarrass him by the quality of his work. So Edgar, um, I met him through uh, Upwork, which is, you know, if you're a freelancer or if you're looking to hire freelancers, it's a great resource. And I was looking for a mixer to kind of take the movie, you know, in this final stage of the sound. And he just really took me as someone that uh, not only was willing to do the project, had an idea of what he really wanted to deliver, he saw the movie in terms of the themes and wanted to amplify what was there. And, and I got to say, you truly did, you know, you took, uh, took things that I didn't think of, you know, that's, um, and kind of really added layers um, in very specific moments that, that just like I'm, I'm in awe of. So kudos to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I guess um, let's start here, you know, I, I guess uh, in terms of what, what drew you to the project initially for, for this task specifically? Well, um, the first thing I saw, I mean, in Upwork, it's, it's pretty tough kind of to get through all the, all the work that is there. I mean, I, I've been in the business for, for so long and, and just recently got into Upwork. So I started kind of checking out projects and most of them are kind of, uh, podcast editing and uh, some sound design for for uh, little games like uh, apps for games but as soon as i saw kind of a feature film that needed kind of work and uh, you know i of course i, I clicked no, i didn't really care much about the, the how much money it was going to pay i just wanted to to do something totally different because mm -hmm. I've done the podcast editing and all that stuff, but really, as you know, the the project kind of took me by. I mean, it, it, that it needed kind of a, a my feedback, not just kind of a, a guy that edits sound and that's it. Just for me to for me to kind of bring my experience doing sound for for films and and TV into a project. And it was great that you call me back because you, you get kind of. Uh, I don't know, 10 inquiries and none of them kind of clicked back, but you called me back and we started talking. And, and so we started. That's more or less how I, how I wanted to, I wanted to do something totally different. And your project was, 
was exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, uh, a feature film, uh, foreign to me because I'm from Colombia, and uh, and and something that that brought in kind of uh, creativity from my part. Mm-hmm. And what was what was kind of the most like exciting part of the project once you kind of dug in? It doesn't have to be like initial things because. I mean, for, uh, you know, anyone kind of watching this really, at least in this time, like hasn't seen the movie, right? But mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's voiceover narration, there's internal kind of like uh, conflicting ideologies. It's like, you know, voices in a person's head. Um, there's, um, you know, other things like there, there's a lot of stuff to potentially play with, um, at least in my opinion, from the sound. So like mm-hmm. anything in particular that was like, oh, this is really exciting for me. <laughs> Well, as as soon as I saw the the structure of the film, that is kind of three stories interconnected, and and uh, I could do something like callbacks from each story to the other story. I mean, if it's three characters that meet or don't meet, but really kind of intersect at one point, I wanted to bring callbacks through sound in each one of the stories. So if uh, if uh, if Jane walked through a scene with Vincent, I kind of put a, a little something there, her footsteps or kind of just little things that, that bring in that, that really, I mean, for me, it's very cool to, to bring that kind of creativity to a, to a piece of work that, that you kind of think about it and you can do it and you can execute it and have it be subtle. But in a couple of viewings, oh yeah, she walked through and the footsteps of the girl kind of, went through and the ringtones of each one of the characters. I mean, I just love doing things for characters specifically. They have so, so much personality. I mean, uh, there was Vincent's uh, thoughts. I wanted to bring something uh, like a, a certain sound to, to it, that it really wasn't just a big reverb of feedback, but kind of uh, delays that, that kind of somebody says something and it comes back in the same volume and it just repeats and repeats kind of just creative things I could do with each one of the characters in the, in the, in their part of the story. That's, that's what I most wanted to do. There were many kind of uh, normal challenge technical challenges to, to break through like the production sound and mixing in the ADR stuff. And, but, but that's really what I love to do. I mean, uh, as soon as I see a piece of work, I can, I can bring in creativity. That's, that's what, and you were, you were uh, open to it too. Mm-hmm. Not really just a, a rigid vision of, of course, many directors have it and it's, and it's fine, but you hearing my, my feedback and my, and kind of my, my approach to it was very cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm very impressed by, uh, you know, kind of, I mean, the whole project in a sense is, you know, everyone wearing multiple hats and you know like you brought a lot of just even the way you talked about the sound effects right like you brought in so many for lack of a better term i'll call it like foley right you know whatever it is and and things like that and um you know uh i don't know if you recorded some of the stuff and maybe we can get into that a little bit but like you certainly added all that stuff and i imagine on other projects at the very least like you're kind of getting that stuff as opposed to like also you know sourcing it yourself again whether it's like just downloading it or finding it or recording. Mm-hmm. Is that correct in, in my assumption? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time, something, some things like very specific, like certain footsteps 
or certain uh, the mostly what when you when you do many scenes that are very close uh, people talking one to another in closed spaces what you really want to do is bring in the sound of everything around them their clothes if they're in bed the sheets and all that stuff all that stuff has to be recorded in foley in a in a foley style so it sounds authentic because you can't really source one movement to another and, and the file doesn't say movement of hand to hair to a girl dot wav doesn't exist. So you just really like uh, there's a scene between the, the two girls in bed. I mean, I really had to just kind of cull myself uh, self in bed and just kind of do all the folly of the, of the hand moving and the, and the sheets and, and, and you bring up that stuff in, in the, in the mix and it, uh, brings you in. I mean, uh, you kind of, the, the best kind of sound, uh, all of the sound designers that I've, I admire always say the best kind of sound design is the one that you don't notice. The, yeah. the one that is just, if the, if the story is immersing you in the thing that they're saying and the sound is just supporting that, great. If uh, at one point you, you're watching and it, oof, there's a lot of crickets in that night you did a bad job because that's way too many crickets in a night scene. You yeah. just want to make it so that you can immerse yourself. So m most of that stuff, you do it in Foley, uh, in some kind of Foley. And the, and the sword stuff, okay, it's kind of uh, the LA sounds. So mm -hmm. I, I tried to get a lot of LA traffic jams and LA pedestrians and kind of, so it brings authenticity to stuff I really don't have access to. Yeah. But it's good because each, each city, I have some of the cities, I have many Colombian and Latin American cities, but American cities all sound kind of different. I mean, it's, LA is very car centric. So there's a lot of cars, but there's not a lot, not a lot of people because stuff is so far away that everybody has a car to, to go wherever. Instead of New York is very pedestrian. So you hear a lot of rumble of, of people running around um, with uh, with the cars and stuff like that. There's there's a lot of nuance and 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 sound that you don't notice, and it's kind of that's the kind of stuff I, I love to bring to a project. Yeah, no, it's amazing because I mean, uh, obviously, LA is a very central part of the story. You know, it's almost like a seventh yeah. character, if you will. Uh, one of the questions I have that I'm always fascinated, like when you go to that level of detail, um, especially, mm -hmm. it's, you know, just kind of you working on it, you know, obviously there's feedback from me, but for the most part, you know, I was kind of hands off in terms of like, I mean, for a lot of it, right? Like you would go off and mm -hmm. do, do the, you know, that stuff, then deliver it back. And I give you that feedback, but how do you organize yourself when you, when you're like working, you know, on that level of detail? You know, do you do a pass of like the dialogue first, then then the sound effects, then the meat, like, or do you kind of take it scene by scene? You know, I'm curious. Well, it, it always it always depends. Let's say in in this project, I kind of hear dialogue first. I just fix all the dialogue as as close as I can get it to to sounding as intelligible as possible. I mean, mm -hmm. without sound as fake or with so many plugins that that you destroy the sound. I mean, uh, to get it. As, as close as I can, you know, and as and as the production was able to get it. I mean, many of the scenes you did it with one mic, and, and that's fine. I mean, both one conversation with one mic, because that's maybe what you had at that time. So I had to work with that, and I 
listen to the to what they're saying first. If it's if it's important or if it's a throwaway, and if it, and the scene needs it, then I start working on, on personal on their person. So their footsteps, their their kind of folio of the of the clothes, and if the scene needs it again. If they're eating something, if they have a cell phone or anything like that, I bring in those effects. And then uh, a kind of a, and then the bed of sound that is the traffic or or the or the cafeteria in this in some scenes or or is it really really quiet? Um, so I try to always always dialogue first in anything that that has characters or anything dialogue first. Then the, the personal space the objects and then the the general sound. And if the scene has a has a central music. I do that kind of last. So if if the if the song is talking about is has a theme about what what the scene is about, I kind of mix it in a little more than the sound effect. Like I'll break down the traffic and bring a little bit more of the music because that's a little more important than the than the traffic of LA in that specific scene, depending on what scene you're looking at. So that's yeah. more or less like I approach it. Always dialogue first. That's that's central. Yeah, and. You know, uh, through no fault, it, like the dialogue was the biggest thing that we kind of worked through. Um, yeah. Simply because, and I always knew for me on my end, it was always going to be a challenge. Simply because, uh, you know, we had recorded it with with Lavs, um, and mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have a sound guy on 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 the day. We, you know, I mean, take uh, double us, and that's basically the entire crew yeah. <laughs> for the movie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I've seen that, and that includes the actors as well. So, you yeah. know, in that sense, um, we were, we were kind of, uh, fixing that and you know what I like, I'm very, I'm very proud of the end result and things like that. Um, oh, you know, and so, and I know you and I have kind of talked about the methodology of it overall, but can you, you know, for anyone watching, can you, you know, you can go technical with it too. Can you highlight what the problems with the original audio were and then kind of your resolution mm-hmm. towards that? Yeah, well, uh, th- this brings me to kind of uh, where I started mostly was in in uh, documentary TV, and here in Colombia, in, in public access TV, let's call it, is kind of the the big channel of TV that that they have here. A lot of stuff is is documentary, so it's a guy in a camera, and maybe the director or or the or a first AD that goes and talks to the person or follows them around. And, uh, and by the point I started, I started kind of cleaning up interviews in a motorcycle. There was a guy asking questions to the person driving while the motorcycle was moving. And I was trying to rescue that sound they had with one microphone. That's kind of the, 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 my, my baseline of stuff that was almost impossible to save, but I was able to save that interview of a guy of two guys moving in a motorcycle. That's incredible. So, yeah, it's and you kind of bring in and that's the the creative part. Let's say, so in in this project, yeah, there was a lot of uh, stuff that was kind of hidden by the by the lab. Maybe the the lab had fallen, or through the through the editing of the movie, some of the scenes were not really. I mean, uh, from one scene to another, the audio was not really. Uh, one track so it was two different scenes so so maybe the the intention was different that that's why i need the 
the whole, uh, all the files you had of audio and all that stuff. So I can kind of stitch together a dialogue. So in the, in the case of the motorcycle, the guys stopped at one point and started talking. And some of the syllables they used in that, I brought into the motorcycle thing so I could rescue some of the audio that was impossible to save. So that's what you do in, in, in a project like this when you have you had ADR and production sound. And maybe some of the tracks of, uh, of production sound were very noisy because of the environment or whatever. That's totally normal. And you have the ADR track. So I almost always like to work with production sound because it has the, the, the actual intention of, of, of the scene and the emotion. So I always try to save the production sound with a little bit, with little bits of the ADR recorded stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of the stitching together of a, of, a, of a dialogue track that it's, many times it's very, very painstaking because you need a lot of processing and, and plugins and, but you really need this kind of creativity. I mean, can, can I use a syllable from this to replace the at that wasn't there? And there were, were a, lot of, a lot of times when the, the, the labs cut out mm-hmm. but the other lab was working so I tried to save a little bit of the other person's I mean it's when you look at a, a, at a dialogue editing session of a documentary or, or small productions like this the stitching of the dialogue is very intricate let's say you use all kinds of stuff there's even my voice in that my wife's voice was in, in some scenes of, uh, in some Jane scenes that I needed kind of a, a the or a or the, so you bring it in, you kind of pitch shift it, do all kinds of stuff. So it fits in the dialogue and it's seamless. My, my point always is that it's seamless and transparent. But it, you need kind of experience to use that to stitch together a, a usable dialogue track that is, that is not maybe perfect, like the Hollywood stuff. I mean, my biggest, my, my biggest eye-opener, for example, was the... Pirates of the Caribbean movies. When you look at those movies and they look great and they sound great, every single scene you see is ADR. Nothing in that whole trilogy or five films or whatever, there's a single word from the production track. Everything is ADR. So you kind of, you look at it and it's kind of disconnected from from something to me. Yeah. That's why I always try to use the the audio that was, was recorded there. And if it's rough, you kind of fix it with, with the new tools that they are and a little bit of experience. So if anybody, if anybody wants to do that kind of stuff, just practice, just do uh, record somebody or, and try to stitch together a dialogue that is, that is comprehensible and intelligible. You know, what's surprising to me, like, I think for a lot of audiences are very surprised by that fact that most Hollywood movies are pretty much completely ADR'd. Um, Mm. And also, it's interesting to me, uh, a lot of uh, up-and-coming actors as well. And what I don't think they realize is that, like, it's also a huge skill set to be, like, like you were saying, there's an intention on set. And it's mm-hmm. very, and some, sometimes because, like, you know, for newer actors, you know, because they're not in that um, habit, it can be a lot tougher to replicate that performance in an ADR booth. Um, and I don't necessarily have no, yeah. a question there, but, um, but it is interesting to mm-hmm. me, like, um, you know, in that sense. And, you know, in a way, does it almost, uh, when you watch movies like A Pirates of the Caribbean, does it kind of take you out mm-hmm. of, like, if there's, like, you know, things you notice about the sound? Or can you, can you kind of, like, just be like, all right, I'm just going to enjoy the movie? 
Well, there there's some things like let's say I'm a I'm a I'm total fanatic of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love them as much as I love Paul Thomas Anderson and and Lars von Trier and all those kinds of really indie indie films. The Marvel universe used that to their advantage. Let's say they created a world of of sound and dialogue that lives in ADR, and you wouldn't have a point of reference to think, oh, that's ADR because every single movie they did it with that intention. So it yeah. sounds natural in that universe. But something that brings me out of the movies that I saw maybe the, the fourth film of the, of the parts of the Caribbean, they were in a boat shooting stuff and they were talking so low that it brings you out of it. Because if you're in a club and you're talking, you're kind of talking loud. Yeah. And, and that's what many actors do when, when they have a club scene and everything is in mute. They kind of start screaming at each other because it's the, the sound is going to be, they got to they gotta replicate like they are in a, in a, in a club. That happens in, the, in that movie. The Johnny Depp is talking in a volume like this. Everybody's shooting and, and going around and all kinds of explosions and they're having a normal conversation. So that brings me out of it. That's what they didn't do in the, in the, in the Marvel movies because they scream all the time and, and there's a thing flying and all kinds of stuff. They build a universe of sound that allows that to have realism in that universe. That's mm-hmm. why it's so cool to, to me. Yeah, no. uh, also, let's say, uh, like I knew, because I, I always watch those kind of making ofs and stuff, the, the last uh, trilogy of uh, Star Wars did the opposite. Most of the dialogue is, uh, is from production. Mm-hmm. They cleaned it up, uh, and also Christopher Nolan does a lot of stuff exclusively with production tracks. They, he really hates doing ADR. And that shows, and there's a little bit of, of roughness to the voice. And uh, some of the scenes, in, for example, in Star Wars with Princess Leia that died in the, in the middle of production, they had to keep the stuff because, of course, they couldn't record her. So many of every single one of her scenes is with the production audio. It sounds great. And the stuff with Luke Skywalker and they're talking, and there's a little bit of hiss of the microphone and her clothing is kind of, was kind of ill-fitted, but the intention was so strong between those conversations, it's totally real. So it's really how you approach sound in, in the director's point of view, let's say. If you mm-hmm. like kind of that uh, raw sound, uh, kind of, there's a guy, uh, Iñárritu, that, uh, that did Babel and, and Birdman and that kind of stuff. He does everything in production sound, even if it's, if it's rough or destroyed or Nolan or anything like that. Or if you have an approach of doing it super clean, like uh, big movies, big romantic comedies, like the ones Nora Ephron did or anything like that, those movies are 80-yard, but they try to do it kind of uh, tastefully, let's say. Mm-hmm. And also, it, there, there's an art to recording 80-yard because you have to, to have it the best quality possible is with the same microphone they had in the same position they had. They show the scene and the, the emotion has to be there. That's why, like you say, new actors have a problem with, with, with that kind of stuff because the disconnect between them being in their, in their living room or whatever, instead of the emotion of the scene, that's the disconnect in ADR of new actors. And I mean, it's the whole thing. That's why I, I love production tra- tracks, yeah. even if they're rough. Yeah, and I mean, too, I, th- I think you know, ADR is an art form in two sense. You have to match the performance, but you also have to match the timing to a degree. 
you know, obviously like exactly. you, no, know, you have totally. the ability to I mean, play around with the, the, the shifting exactly. If they get like, you know, if, if they start a sentence, you know, a half a second later, that's fine. You can shift it, but like mm-hmm. you can't shift if like I elongate a word and it's supposed to be, yeah. you know, it's just, the, the, so it's, uh, and I, I find like too, they, they can either match performance or they can match timing, but oftentimes, you know, the up and cut, like it gets mm-hmm. a little bit tough to be both in that sense. And, um, it's interesting in that yeah. way. The, the, the best thing about uh, new tools is that timing, it's not really much of an issue as it was before because the, the tools have gotten so much better. I mean, uh, I use kind of the industry standard that is called Isotope RX7 that does uh, timing and, and you can do all kinds of manipulations to the voice so it stays as, as intelligible as possible, always with a little bit of criteria because of you overuse anything that, that is kind of post-processing of anything is going to sound or look or anything is going to be terrible. You got to use it with tastefulness. That's why timing now is not as, as, as bad as an issue as it was, let's say five, 10 years ago, even when RX, when Isotope didn't have those kind of tools. The thing that is impossible to replicate is intention. I mean, yeah. if you have a, a love scene or like I tell you that they were in the bar and they have to talk over the radio that is really not there, that's, that's just not, no, there's no plug-in for that, let's say. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm curious kind of your, let's say education, right? So I, as mm-hmm. I'm kind of understanding it, you, you watch a lot of behind the scenes, which uh, was sort of my film school, if you will, as well. Um, yeah. And then part of it seems like there's a trial and error there. Like, um, you know, you've worked on stuff in the past. Oh, yeah. That, um, but what about, like, uh, you know, kind of a more formal education? Like, what sort of classes, mm-hmm. um, you know, have you taken, whether, you know, university or just, just on, you know, whatever? I'm curious. Because mm-hmm. I, uh, I went to, when I was, uh, I'm 37 now. And uh, when I was 18, I, I went to the, to the U.S., and uh, was in, in Vegas with my sister for eight years. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I spent, well, my sister was living there. So I went to the community college there and, mm-hmm. uh, and I started a uh, uh, computer repair kind of uh, career because that's what my dad wanted me to do. I always loved sound and I always loved music because that's my first love and I wanted to do music, but my dad said, there's no no way you're going to the US to study music, you crazy guy. So go do computers so okay dad so i started there but the community college the ccs10 at that time had just installed a, a new studio and uh and i was amazed by the amount of stuff and i was already kind of making music on my own in a little cheap laptop and i mean like any new recording artist starts just small and uh, i was amazed by that and started with one recording course in ccsn about in that studio and that was just eye-opening to the amount of things I could do. Nothing relating to, to, to post-production. Everything relating to just sound and music. Mm-hmm. Then I went to, I uh, validated my credits to go to UNLV. And I started there and I couldn't really afford the whole school. So I had to drop out. So I had just my uh, computer science degree from CCSN with that one course of recording that I loved. But I continued doing music all the time and I did extra credit and I just at any spare time I could I could do I went to the studio and the, and the professor there was very cool with me so 
I started playing around with the console and everything, sound and gear and all that kind of stuff really, really just, uh, I just love it. Then when I came back to, to the U.S. because my visa had, had just, the student visa was over, there was uh, an opening for a job at, uh, at uh, he's kind of a, a relative of my mother's that had a, a production studio here in, in Colombia with, for uh, documentaries and all that and that kind of stuff. And she said, oh, yeah, this kid knows music. And I was like, yeah, I know music. Do you know how to do TV? Oh, yeah, sure. And I went in there without having a single clue of how to do music or anything for TV. And they just threw a uh, 15-minute episode at me. And I just started doing it. I, I did it kind of, I started raising up the dialogues and anything that was kind of weird. And I, I kind of tried to fix. And I had kind of a, um, a rapport with the, with the sound guy there. He started teaching me little stuff because we, we clicked so much on, on the gear and the love of sound and all that stuff. And he started teaching me these little things. And then as soon as that project ended, that uh, my that first episode, I don't even want to hear it because it's probably the worst sounding thing in the history of, of, of sound. But I started loving doing sound for, for, for images. And the next project was an animated movie, an anima uh, animated series, a very small, short episode of five minutes. And they said, all right, you want to do this? And I, yeah, sure. I'm great at it. And that way, they just, I, I guess uh, I did something right for them to keep me because I was in that company for like eight years, eight, ten years, more or less, doing just straight up sound for any kind of uh, any kind of media i did commercials i did and and really without any experience at the at the beginning just the love of sound and the love of being kind of meticulous i've always been i, I don't like just just giving out something all right sounds great and the headphones great no i just gotta check it in this couple of speakers and this kind of thing i guess that that kind of that thinking got me into the rest of the projects and they kept me at, and from then on i just did post-production sound and uh, music as well because I've done a lot of music for for a lot of animated and and TV stuff and and it's great I mean it's been long and it's not been easy and this and in this country is that, that kind of work is not really that that much appreciated let's say let's say that my, my income is not like crazy high or in, not even in Colombian standards let's say Mm -hmm. Let's say that in a in a in a animated feature. I don't know. Oh no, let's see. I did a whole documentary, and if I change it to to dollars, it's gonna sound completely sad. But I did a whole documentary because I loved it, and it was they paid me like twenty five dollars or something like that, and oh. that was a good pay. <laughs> and that one one time, that was a long ago. I mean, and I. I've been charging a little bit more and a little bit more, but everything is depending of the of the budget of the thing. But uh, I've I was kind of came into it accidentally and loved doing post production and music for for picture. Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but what I what I appreciate about you, um, and I imagine I imagine there's some truth to it with other people, but you know, uh, I think you would have a patience for this. And I think, Oh yeah. And I think you're willing to listen, you know what I mean? Like, you know, um, even, 
even when I gave you notes, you know, there was never a time, you know, we discussed of like what could be done, but you never told me ever straight out like, oh no, this, this can't ever improve or whatever. It was, you know, by default, it was always, okay, I'll see what I can do. Right. Oh yeah. And, and, and so um, I think that's a big quality that, that I imagine those other, other people you've worked with saw within you. Um, Cause I think that's great. You know, yeah, I guess. Me, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think too many times, you know, Hey, see, they, my dogs agree with me. Um, but yeah, I, I think so, sometimes too many people like, you know, if they don't know something they'll, they'll say like, Oh, it can't be improved or whatever else. Um, and then you just always kind of are, it seems to me just from knowing you and even this interview, you're always looking for that mm-hmm. solution. Um, oh yeah. Something better. Because cause cause I've seen so many things. Like, like I told you, I, I did that interview and that motorcycle, my gosh, like a year and a half after being just presented to post-production. And I said, I, I don't want to be kicked out because I can't do an, an interview. And I guess this is how things many times in, in, in Colombia are. I mean, they, they are really low budget kind of production. So that's the sound I'm going to receive. So why am, am I not going to try every single thing I, I, I can? Yeah. Apart from, let's say, from the Leia thing that, uh, I mean, Carrie Fisher died. Well, there's not much we can do. That's the, And at that point, I say, well, there's not much I can do. But from there, I mean, like I told you, man, so some of the Jane stuff, it's my wife saying, uh, and then I replaced that vowel at the beginning of the sentence. So it was a whole thing. I mean, I just love being able being challenged to to do something a lot better each time and and i guess and and there's not let's say a huge post-production industry here in colombia there there are very very good people at it but really the the sound circle let's say the the sound post-production is very very small i mean i think we know each other at this point we there are very there are ones that have been very successful doing netflix things stuff like that but really it's a small circle so it's it's really a specialty skill to have to to do sound at the point where you say i'll do it i'll do it and i'll do everything i can no matter the budget that's that's kind of my my philosophy because because okay i'm gonna do until this because you paid me so much no no no. i mean i'm gonna do it if i say i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it to whatever budget there is if i'm if not i will say no i don't want to do it but if i'm going to do it i'm going to do it all the way no matter the budget i just want to do it and if the client is 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 cool enough of of course because there there have been nightmare clients that you just want to my god man (laughs) what are you asking and uh but of course this was not the case you you were an amazing client believe me thank you thank you i appreciate that um one of the questions i want to ask you because um you know, I think like it's, with this pandemic, obviously a lot of people are getting used to working from home, but mm-hmm. for you specifically, like, you know, just talking in the larger context of, let's say, you know, there are indie filmmakers out there um, that mm-hmm. let's say would consider hiring you. Can you t- speak to the relationship and like, y- you know, in a, in a sense, quell their, uh, any trepidation they might have about working from, with somebody that's not within their vicinity? Right. Because I think okay. a lot of times people, you know, they want to be in the room um, for the changes and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, like our relationship, like even though, you know, 
I, I personally, I would have loved to be in the room with you and kind of be yeah, there, of you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, the result speaks for itself. And I thought, you know, we did have a good system and things like that. But can you, again, just, just for the sake of like potential future clients, mm-hmm. you know, can you, can you kind of uh, lay them out like, so that way they know like, oh, this would work, you know, I, I don't have to be in the room with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, just before this, this pandemic, I would say really in a, in a percentage kind of way, every single one of my uh, of work I do, it's been remote. Mm-hmm. All of it. There's, there's been clients I've known for six years and haven't seen them ever. Every, every single conversation we have is through WhatsApp. So really, this, the, the, the pandemic hasn't changed my business at all because business here in Colombia, even if it's for the, for the big channels or for the big outlets, it's all remote. Everybody's got their own stuff because, uh, because here having a studio, let's say a, a huge uh, post-production studio, it's such a astronomic cost that no production has the budget to kind of do their, their work at a huge post-production facility that here really doesn't exist. We have a couple, but they work with outside clients. So the work inside here, it's all remote. So there shouldn't be no, no trepidation to do it, let's say. The thing with, with my kind of work that sound is so, so such a small file mm-hmm. that I can send it and receive feedback very fast. Is not the case, let's say, with, with colorists, that they have to work with a huge movie, 100 gigabytes or anything like that. That's really the only constraint for me, kind of file sizes, because mm-hmm. uh, the internet download or anything, but the conversation is going to be exactly the same. I mean, I, almost all of my clients, I mean, I really haven't stepped in a, in a, in a room with a director in so long, I can't even remember. And, I, and last year I did like, 27 kind of projects, small, big, whatever. Every single one was like this, was through uh, FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. And we just talk about it. I do it. I bring my ideas. He gives me feedback and we send it to the big client or the big network and they put it in their servers and just make it work. I mean, it's, it's not really a constraint at all. Because here, like, uh, like I tell you, I, we can't really have the, the luxury of having such cool, big facilities with a color over here and sound over here. And it's really a huge expense. And that's why it's really not a change, not, not such uh, a big hit for me, the, this, the pandemic economy is, as it is, because you can do it like this. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking, we're, we kind of have a feeling about it. I kind of get a, a feeling about how I can do it. And uh, let's say, for example, and uh, here the advertising is, is really big as, as well. And I have a, one of my best friends is really, really good at that, doing advertising work where it's all remote, but it's always in, in constant communication. You have to do 30 second spots, but you have to do like, like, my God, that man has made like 20 kind of uh, kinds of music for one spot and the client doesn't like it and this doesn't like it. and but still it's remote. You just gotta, you just gotta talk. You just gotta be very concise. What, you, what you're going to bring to the project, what the, and the, and the, and also the client has to be kind of, kind of uh, attentive to what you say or, or what you send. 
and uh, and really get your idea across. If you're gonna if you're going to to do a, do it with your own gear, like I am, like many of uh, of my colleagues are, they have their own gear. You just got to get your message across of what you can do for the project, no matter if you're here or remote or. Oh my God, I, I just finished a, a little short, a short animated film with a, with a girl from Estonia. <laughs> and she and, and the musician, the only Estonese, I mean, I'm really sorry. I don't know the, the, the language they, they speak in Estonia, but she just sent me the music and I just sent her little changes in English and she did the changes and we could, we could do the whole thing. And I, I, I don't even know her face. I just know her. Her, her typing habits i guess <laughs> so remotely is not not a constraint anymore i mean that's really yeah i mean there's um and, and like the, the the online tools like you and i used markers you know i would send you mm -hmm. um markers for audio files and that's kind of how we kept track of stuff but like whether it's um i'm, I'm thinking of like uh uh whipster dot io or um you know there's plenty of other examples there where oh, yeah, frame the, io or something like that yeah yeah, exactly. Where it's an online tool, you just basically upload the video, and then you know, as the video plays, you you can literally put markers in there, and it works great. You know, at the time code yeah. you want, you could it works great with uh, sound guys, but it also you know what what's kind of cool about it, it does also work for color guys because you can literally you know you can like say, oh, I want you know to fix this point right here for color as well. So like, it's the tools are amazing for. Oh yeah, collaboration. and and really, and, and what I've seen uh, about because one of the big, biggest projects I've done remotely was uh, Shark Tank. They did a, a version of it, or oh, they have it still, a version of Shark Tank here in in Colombia. And the thing was, they had to send me the whole reality show as it was shot, and I had to put music that I, that was already done, of course, do the emotions of the people and the hits, and then when they. Uh, when they shoot somebody and, doom, and you got to do the whole reality show kind of tension. And that was done in the most prehistoric way ever. Cause they saw the show. When I send back a mix, they send me a, uh, a screenshot done with their phone of the, of the part they didn't like. And there were at least one, one episode that is 48 minutes long had like, 70 pages of little pictures done with their phone. Did it have at least time every code? Single bit they didn't, yeah, not, not, not even time code at all. Because, <laughs> oh, because I don't know. And I did like 10 episodes of that and it was insane. I, I mean, at one point I ran out of paper to, to print out all, all those little things. I had to kind of figure out, okay, this lady doesn't like this part, so I had to check it. And then there, there were, I did another project, a very, very small uh, YouTube series that they used uh, Coda and then they used Frame.io to do the, the, the uh, like you say, the, the markers for all every single teammate and those changes were sent. I mean, I've done it every single way and you really have to be, because uh, I really, really think that if you are gonna be remote like this and, and you need changes to anything, you have to be technologically smart because yeah. let's say if, uh, if uh, if I didn't know you used uh, Audition, I've never used Audition in my life. <laughs> but I opened it, it looked like a DAW, and if you use it, just send me the file, I open it, then I have the two sessions at once, click on the marker, that's the marker, I looked at my Pro Tools session, that's where the change is, I'll do it. I've done it through Word files that they type up, like, a, like the one you say you sent, 
I've done it through EDLs. They send me an EDL file. I, I put it in Final Cut Pro. And then you have to be kind of te technologically quick and savvy to not let the thing, technology get in, the, in your way. So if there's one way you got to do it, you got to learn at least 10 ways of doing things. Yeah. And that's because, the cool part. There are 10 ways of doing it. And I, I think. Yeah. Now, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. There's and, no uh, excuse. No, absolutely not. And I think, um, you know, for, for advice for anyone like working remotely, I, I say like, you got to be specific with your notes. Like one of the big things that I've always learned is um, whatever method works mm. for you, you got to be specific. And I think too often times people are so general with their notes sometimes, and then they oh, expect yeah. like a result back. And it's like, you got to provide the notes in order to get the specificity that you are looking for. Oh yeah, please, please, please. Yeah. yeah. To all content makers and directors, when you say this scene doesn't work or something like that, or I can't hear the audio where we're talking yeah. about 80 minutes of audio. You got to be a little bit more specific what you don't hear. Yeah. And mostly there's a couple of scenes that were kind of overpowered by music or something. But really, those kind of comments are, are pointless. You got to go to the, to the well, at least one scene. Let's say this guy's talking. I can't hear him. Okay, I'll bring down the music. Oh, I can hear him now. Yeah. And that was the whole thing about saying I can't hear anything in the whole movie or some crazy coming like that that I've gotten as well. How helpful was it? And you, you could be honest with it. Um, you know, I realized, I realized at a certain point, I was like, all right, I've given him like so many notes, um, yeah, I but I didn't want to, A, I didn't want to like defeat your spirit of like, okay, like just based on the pure number of notes, like everything's bad. And mm -hmm. also, you know, so like I looked to it like, A, I wanted to de almost define, you know, what needed to be fixed as far as like percentage, you know, because I didn't want you mm -hmm. thinking like it's, we're 70% off when in fact we're just like 15% off because that's a huge difference, right? And then two... Yeah. Um, you know, I also, for me, at least I, 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 at a certain point, I tried to be very much like, oh, here's a marker of something that I really like. So, for mm -hmm. the, you know, so that way, at least it gave you a frame of reference of like, for the oh, other yeah. stuff, if I say this, then, you know, like try to get it closer to this because that worked. Mm -hmm. Was that, you know, did that help? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, as, as close as you can get it, if you have a, a common sense about things, let's say. There, there was a marker at minute 15 that said this click, okay. And then 70, and then at minute 17, okay, all of that was good. So that's great. And then at 17, then 17, two, and 17, five, and 17, okay. Then you say this whole scene from this point to this point is wrong. I mean, if you, if you feel that the voice was too high one second and too low in the other one, I just grab that whole scene, scrub it, and then redo it. Just redo the dialogue because most of the times, let's say our notes were were about dialogue. Let's say that that an ADR was too high, or or this word was not really understood, or or it kind of brought you out of it. If there's a, that close of a of of, a, of a kind of notes from director or or anybody, you just grab the whole scene and do it again. I mean, it was no problem for me because. Because I have the files, I have everything, and if you hear that as well, if the if the if the comment or the note resonates with what you hear, you might feel like the other person. You always, I, I mean, as a as a sound guy, you always have to put yourself in the position of the person that's listening, because uh, objectively, there are very few sound people. Let's say mm -hmm. 
and mostly uh, uh, let's say audiences or even directors or, or whatever are not really that sound uh, savvy or the terms or, or anything and that's fine that's why I'm here so what what, what you do is it's kind of okay he's hearing this so I over process the voice and I, you just have to figure out a whole thing a whole thing and if notes are really close together you just do the whole scene even if, if the ending was fine you can do it even better. And that's my philosophy about it. And that's what's great about your notes because you were really clear about it. You know, let, let's say the, there's a party scene that was really, really, really tough because there, there was music, there was ADR and you really couldn't hear it. So I did it a couple of times and, I, and by the last time I said, okay, that's much better than the first one I sent objectively. So that's why it's, it's great that you do that, that level of, uh, of detail in your notes. And, and people, even in, in whatever, cinematography or graphic or whatever, have to be kind of open to, it's not criticism. They're, they're just worried about their work. If, the, if, if you can do your work better, just always be open to listening the perspective of somebody else that is not on your field. Because if they were in your field, you wouldn't be necessary. I mean, that, that's my kind of thinking, I think. Yeah. Now, as we, as, uh, before we kind of wrap up, just a few final mm -hmm. things, um, you know, and you kind of hinted at it a couple of times, you know, most of your relationship, like you have a whole relationship over WhatsApp and, and that works. Yeah. But, and you, I remember you saying to me, like, uh, you appreciate that, you know, that we video chatted because you don't get oh, that yeah. ability and, and it is mostly impersonal. Um, so in that sense, would you, like anyone that you do work with, would you encourage them to to have a more uh, connected relationship with you like you and I did um, in that sense? Do you, do you feel like having that helps the product? Or, you know, if nothing else, it's just nice to kind of have that con artistic connection. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, in my, in, in my part of the, of the process, let's say, in, in post-production or even music at one point, you're really at the end of the thing. I mean, it was already edited or it's, it's been on an editing process. And the editor and the director are very close together if it's not the same person in this case. And you're really coming at the end of the relationship. So uh, a director or anybody expects you to know beforehand a bunch of things that he is already tired about saying. So he's, he doesn't want to explain the project anymore. But, but for somebody like me, it's, it's great to have just a, a small conversation of what your intention is. That's it. The, the movie is about this, and I, I would like it to be like this. I mean, just just of intention and, and your creative spirit about the, the project. If it's, a, if it's a documentary about a bank or it's an infomercial or whatever, what's your intention? That's, that's almost always my, the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, how do you call it? That... If, if I'm not delivering on the product that the, that the client wants or a director wants, many times it's because I really don't know what you want. And yeah. that, that small conversation at the beginning, even if it's like this face-to-face -face through, through the computer or it's, it's a chat or anything, just your, intent, your creative intention of a project at the beginning is, is just uh, is the best thing you could have at least for me and for many of the guys at the end of the, of the filmmaking chain, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. I, you know, and I, I wish, you know, um, that it was always that case, but what, one of the things that, that I, at least I saw from you 
was when you watched mm-hmm. the movie from start to finish without kind of me needing to tell you what the intention was. Like you, you had mm-hmm. that intuition based on seeing the movie of like, Oh, let's do this, you know? So, um, yeah. so I think you have that as well. And I think in lieu of people, you know, having that connection with you, I think you, you have that, you've developed that ability or maybe you had it. I don't know. Um, of just of, of reading the movie for what it wants to be itself. Yeah. Cause many times, many times you, you don't really, that's why people come back to you. Let's say for me, many of the clients I have right now are people that I've known for at least five, six years. And I have a couple more each time that, that are new that have been, uh, kind of, what do you call it? From person to person, the, my, that one person told the other one that oh, this guy is good. Reference. Yeah. I've been referenced by people that I've worked with because of that, because they send me something and I just give me a, give them my perspective. Many times it's, it's kind of right or kind of in the ballpark. So they don't really have to explain it so much. And that's why I guess that they come to me. Many, many directors just send me a movie and they say, have it by Monday or something. And, and we have such a rapport that I can do that. I can, Oh, okay. This guy did this and I can send it back. You have to have intuition about what you're watching and what you, and you want to provide for the project. And if it needs your help, if it's just technical help, also be aware of that. Not, not every single project that a sound guy or a graphics guy is going to do is, needs your, your creative input. It just needs your technical input. You got to be open to, to that. If a thing is already what it is and doesn't need your help, it just needs technical about, uh, side about it. You can analyze it by what it is. Or in this case, we really wanted uh, sound feedback because sometimes people don't really know what they want. And, it, and that's fine. That's why uh, uh, any, anybody in, in my position can bring in their perspective to illuminate something in, in the creator's head. Like in, in your case, I did some of the, of the reverb stuff, uh, of the feedbacks and, the, and kind of stopping all the sound at one point. And that kind of brings you new ideas because because I have a perspective about it. If if a project needs it from you, no, that's kind of my 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 take on it. Yeah. Um, well, amazing. It's uh, it's been fun catching up uh, in a in an environment where we're not just talking notes <laughs> <laughs> for the movie. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so it's been great, no, and uh, you know I. I personally want to work with you on the next feature, although uh, the unfortunate part is I, can't, I don't know, you know, unfortunately for us, I think it's uh, with COVID and everything, it might be a while before. Oh, yeah. Before that ends. Yeah, that's a problem. But that's, um, a, that, that's kind of the I've been I've been saved by the animation industry because I've done a lot of animation work mm-hmm. and uh, uh, music and uh, sound design and mixing. And that's the industry that is most active right now and kind of my industry because of course everybody can be home doing animated stuff but really the 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 COVID has really put a a really big roadblock on on feature films and small productions that need people yeah yeah no it's it's such a shame but really really i i would love to work with you again in whatever (laughs) even the even the trailer for this yeah no you have it we're gonna we're gonna do the trailer um the trailer is gonna come out uh, hopefully soon um i gotta kind of put it mm-hmm. together i have some versions but uh but we'll mm-hmm. go from there but in lieu of uh 
in lieu of any, uh, you know, interim projects, you know, I wanted to do this for you. So, um, you know, if anyone out there is listening, like for me, I love learning from you. So that's the selfish part. And the unselfish part oh, is uh, sharing you with the world. So whether it's uh, through Upwork.com or uh, mm-hmm. AudioRepublic.co, um, those are mm-hmm. two places that uh, people can connect with you, correct? Yes, yes. And, uh, and thanks a lot, Phil. Really, really, really thanks a lot because this project has been truly, truly so cool to do. If it, it had its challenges and everything, but the relationship has been really great about it. Uh, it hasn't been... I mean, it's been almost perfect and you weren't really rushing it or anything and and it came out great. We didn't have to really do many compromises with sound. We can, we were always able to figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for this. Really, really thanks for this. And really, I can speak English as well as Spanish. So. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I'm, uh, I, uh, I'm truly, you know, the final product I, I, I truly enjoy. I think it's, uh, you know, it'll be up to the world to decide if it's a good movie. But uh, for me, it's a good little gem of a movie. And uh, certainly from the technical standpoint, uh, oh, yeah. certainly from the stamp, uh, the sound standpoint, it works. So um, <laughs> oh, thanks so, a lot. So appreciate you and um, take care. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll chat. Even I'm sure we'll chat before the next movie, too. So. <laughs> oh yeah please 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 whatever even if you're going to do a commercial or even a, another podcast uh, upload i'll edit it for you if you want awesome <laughs> that's cool awesome. yeah thanks a lot phil i mean it's been re- really 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 cool working with you and that's and yeah anybody that wants to reach me i do animation sound design music all kinds of stuff you can check out the website i have a couple of things Yeah. And as always, for those of you watching, if you have uh, questions or comments of your own, please, by all means, share, whether whether down in the comment section or uh, on social media. Um, I'm at Phil Svitek. Do you you have social media? Uh, Yes, I have. uh, I have the the Instagram link. I can give it to you later because I'm I'm really bad at it. And my wife is. No worries. <laughs> that knows it. You can maybe put it in the show notes or something. Yeah, I'll um, you know, I'll I'll uh, your your Upwork profile, your uh, the the AudioRepublic.co link, all that, and mm-hmm. uh, your 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 Instagram will be in the show notes there. So uh, for anyone scrambling to find it, it is in the description box. So you're not. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Oh yeah. Thanks a lot. Very. I mean, thank you very very much for this. Film.